I'm going to dive into this. I have a bunch of scriptures. We're going to be reading a lot, and so I'm going to just kind of bounce through them. I was, um, I was, um, it's eight seventeen. So I'll be done at eight eight eighteen. It just turned eight eighteen. I'll take the extra minute. I'll be done at eight forty eight. Half an hour. All right. That's what we do around here. We're going to do thirty minutes. Um, so. I, I have been reading a lot about a gentleman um, that you all, of course, know his name. Some of you drive his product. His name is Henry Ford, and he's known as the father of the automobile industry, which is one of the largest industries in the world. And I've been learning a lot about, um, about his life and um, the ups and downs that he had. Uh, the genius that he had, the dream that he had, uh, where he failed, where he succeeded, uh, the, the attitude that he had towards um, success and, and um, being a success. And I started looking at some of the quotes that he had made, um, some of the quotes that he was famous for saying, and I realized that many of the quotes that he had had a direct scripture attached to what he had said that supported what he said. And I realized that the principles of success that made Henry Ford successful are principles that are contained in the word of God. And that just aren't just a good idea, a good life idea, but actually is the word of God. And so I, I, I studied a little bit about um, his life, and I'm going to kind of take a different approach uh, tonight in my message I normally do, and this is going to be a part history lesson and and part message. And I want to teach you a little bit about uh, what was happening during the time and, and what he endured and what he went through. And so I've got some copy here I'm going to read, but I want you to kind of hear this. And I'm going to set up um, some of these great quotes that he had and show you in the Word of God where they are. And so uh, I don't want to sound like a motivational speaker today because I, I'm going to really solidly base this in Scripture, but tonight's message is called Finding Success, and, uh, and I, I believe that I'm talking more than just about success on your job, but these principles will apply to furthering the kingdom of God um, in your life, in the world around you, being successful in your Christian walk successful in your marriages and relationships, um, successful, yes, in the marketplace, successful with the dreams God gave you. How many of you want to be successful with some of those things? Yeah. And so I, I realized that some of the principles that he based his life off of were the very things that the Bible has instructed us in, and given us um, great, good, sound advice on how we can live our lives. So we're going we're gonna to get into that. Let me read some of this through for you so I can set this up. One day in 1885, 23-year-old Henry Ford got his first look at the gas-powered engine, and it was instant love. Ford had apprenticed as a machinist and had worked on every conceivable device, but nothing could compare to his fascination with his new type of engine, one that created its own power. He envisioned a whole new kind of horseless carriage that would revolutionize trans transportation, he made it his life's task to be the pioneer in developing such an automobile. He worked the night shift at Edison Illuminating Company. I guess a good place to work if you're going to invent, right? As an engineer, during the day he would tinker with the new internal combustion engine he was developing. 
He built a workshop in a shed behind his home and started constructing engine from pieces of scrap. I'm going to skip ahead here. He developed something called the quadricycle, which was his original kind of contraption that later led to the actual automobile. I want to kind of get into his business dealings. Later, he completed it, and it was a marvel of design. Everything was geared towards simplicity and compactness. It was easy to drive and maintain. All that he needed was financial backing. He needed some moolah. Some of us are in that spot right now. All we need is a little money. Uh, and sufficient capital to mass produce it. To manufacture automobiles during this time was a dawning venture. And so he found the perfect backer. His name was William Murphy. He's one of the most prominent businessmen in Detroit. And they formed the first company, which was called the Detroit Automotive Company. All of the investors and people that were involved, they, they just believed it was going to take off. But problems soon arose because the car Ford had designed as a prototype needed to be re reworked. The parts came from too many different places. Some of them were deficient and far too heavy. So he kept trying to refine the design. And if you read on through his history, you find out that this gentleman, Murphy, um, ended up dropping him. And they, the board of directors dissolved the company. And they said, this is not going to work. And so the Detroit uh, Motor, or was it the Detroit Motor Company here, um, the Detroit Automobile Company collapsed and dissolved and the corporation no longer existed. And the money that was left, they divvied up to the investors based on their percentage of ownership. And that was it. Failed. He failed miserably, really. And, and it was a huge risk. The type of money it took to put in and start to build what he wanted to build as far as an assembly line and, and the prototype, it was a tremendous amount of cash, and he failed. Years later, I don't know how or why, but he, he finally convinced Murphy and the stockholders in 1901 to start another company and another operation. This corporation... Uh, went on for a couple more years, and Henry Ford, after a couple of more years, he got closer and closer to developing what would end up being the Model A. But right as he was getting ready to break through, the investors came in and started to tell him what to do and uh, trying to tell him how to engineer, trying to tell the engineer how to engineer. And, uh, and the company collapsed again. And this guy, William Murphy, this rich guy, he pulled out, and he said, I'm done with you. I've done this twice. This is never going to happen. And after this, no investor in their right mind, after you failing twice, is going to invest the kind of money and fortune it's going to require to get this off the ground. Well, Henry Ford found somebody that was just that crazy. <laughs> he found a gentleman, and his name was Alexander Malcolmson. And he was from Scotland. He must have, uh, must have had too much scotch or something because he, he decided, I'm going to invest in this thing. And, and the story goes that, that um, together they formed what would then be the Ford Motor Company, which as we know it today. And the Model A was the first uh, car of its type, the lightest car. It had all of the features that none of the other competitors had. And the Model A almost took off immediately. The Model T was introduced in October 1st of 1908. The car was simple to drive. It was easy. It was cheap to repair. It only cost, are you ready for this, in 1908, $825. The equivalent of the Model T in Ford's line 
today costs $21,430. There it is. The is that the Model A or the Model T? T, yes. The sales by 1914 had passed 250,000 um, off the production line. 250,000. And by 1916, they dropped the price again, and sales reached 472,000. By 1918, half of all cars in America were Model Ts. He owned half the automobile market by 1918 in the entire United States. Many of you probably know this, but all of them were black. They were the same color. And Henry Ford was famous for saying, any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants as long as it's black. <laughs> and this guy went from you know, a couple of failed corporations, promises to investors and stockholders, prototypes. From the time he got bit with the bug to the time he really reached success, it was 1885. And when he actually reached a point of success when they really started to sell, it was uh, 1914. So he spent 29 years trying to figure this out, knowing that, that he had a dream, he had an idea, he had something he felt like could revolutionize the world. And as we know it today, the automobile industry, he's, they consider him the father of what's one of the largest industries in the world. And it took him 29 years to finally reach that potential after many people had given up on him and shut the door in his face and told him this is never going to happen, it's never going to work, and we don't believe in you, and we're going to pull all of our money and resources, and you're not going to move on. And I thought, what takes a guy like that? What does that guy get? Um, because with the Model T, he revolutionized really the entire nation and the entire world. Transportation as we knew it was no longer the same. The Model A was a step in the right direction, but it was really that Model T that completely changed everything. It was, it was cheap to buy. It was cheap to repair. And I got to thinking to myself, if we just take Model T as an idea, what would it take for one of us in this generation to be responsible for the next Model T? Whether it's in the church or the marketplace or in the mission field, wouldn't it be great if a hundred years from now, God was talking about something we did? People around the world talking about something that we did? And that's why I'm, I'm examining his life tonight and really kind of going through, through some of the things he said and lived by and, and taking you through the scriptures and showing you this. The first thing is this. Ford believed this, to never stop learning. Never stop learning. And I thought, hmm, can I find that in the Bible? This is what he said. His direct quote was, anyone who stops learning is old. Whether you're 20 or 80, you're old. And anyone who keeps learning stays young. If you're worried about getting too old, here's some good advice. Keep learning. I know that iPhone's hard to figure out, but keep learning. <laughs> I found this in James, 
James 4 says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands. I'm sorry, that's the wrong scripture. That's the next point. Psalms 92, go there. They will still bear fruit in an old age. They will stay fresh and green. So we know it's possible to stay young. Proverbs 1.5 says this, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Seems like Henry was right. It says the wise will acquire counsel. The wise will hear and increase in learning. You know what I realized about my relationship with God walking this road, pastoring, being a dad, being a husband. The more I know about God, the more I realize I know nothing about him. I I told somebody this the other day, and I got a picture when I was talking to them, and I talked to them about it. I said, you know how when you approach a bedroom, or you approach a store, or you approach anything, and you approach that has a door, and you approach that door, from here... All I see is what's directly outside of that door. But as I get closer and I move past the threshold of the door, my field of view widens. And boy, when I'm back there, I think to myself, it looks like they only sell refrigerators in there. Must be a refrigerator store. But boy, when I get in, I realize it's Best Buy. And they sell video games and computers and iPads and and even the appliance department has more than refrigerators. And I realized the closer, the more intimate, the more of a relationship we have with the Father, the more we realize, boy, we don't know anything. And when you come to a place in your life where you say, I've got it all figured out. I got my theology straight. I know what I believe. And I'm never going to change it or open my mind to anything else. And that's the end. Boy, that's when you're in trouble. That's when you can say to yourself, I'm getting old and set in my ways. But if you can stay pliable in the, in the potter's hands, you can stay teachable, you can learn, you can open your heart up. If I went through the points of our theology in the last 10 years that have changed, you would probably feel unsafe. <laughs> God has wrecked and realigned and transformed our understanding of him time after time after time. And then we think we finally arrived and we finally got it. And all of a sudden, boom, he knocks us off our feet and says, I've got something else for you. But it's that way in life. But when you stop learning, but I love that scripture, a wise man will hear an increase in learning, but a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Another Proverbs, in Proverbs 18, it says, the mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We've done this before where we've had a really, uh, just somebody that's super dynamic and smart and has traveled the world. They might, we might have them in to speak, and then we might take them out to lunch or dinner or something like that. Afterwards, invite them over to the house. We have a rule. When somebody like that's around, shut up. If we invite you over, just shut up. That's an opportunity to listen and absorb. We, I feel that way around Robert Salirden. When, boy, when we, when we got to lunch with him, sometimes I just want to shut up and listen. Because I found something about folks like him who, who have something to say and something to teach you. They don't have to speak. 
And if you want to be the big shot and act like you know everything, they'll let you. But if we'll just be quiet and hearken our ear, there's a lot, there's a lot that God wants to teach us directly, and there's a lot that he wants to teach us through the hearts and minds of men and women that know a lot more. I could tell myself and give you the, the things that I've messed up and got, gotten wrong and, and thought I called one way and my dad would, or mom would maybe say, I don't think it's that way, it's a different way. And, and I was 100% you know, positive and accurate and believed wholeheartedly I was right. And boy, six months go by and I'm like... My dad says, you remember when we talked about this? Nope. Is this a confession? If you're going to confess, confess. Well, I'm, it's more of a hypothetical. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs 1 says, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If God's put somebody in your life that has sound wisdom and instruction, and you refuse to learn, the Bible says you're foolish. How many of you would say to me right now, I've got at least one person in my life that when they say something, I want to listen, and I really want to, want to process what they have to say. I have somebody that, I consider, you know, somebody that can speak into my life. If you don't, you need to get one. Amen? Amen? Someone that can speak into your life, that has no other thoughts towards you than you being what everything God wants you to be, has no other motives but to see you grow and to be everything you can in Christ someone that has some years under their belt, someone who has some gray hair and a couple battle wounds that's been there and been in the valley and fought on top of the mountaintop that can speak into your life. And if you will listen, if you'll hear them, if we collectively will learn to really absorb and, and listen and process the wisdom that's available to us, I believe that, that God will just totally propel your life in him forward. Amen? Number one key to success, never stop learning. Number two is failure is never final unless you say so. And this is what, this, these are my synopsis of Henry Ford's quotes. This was his quote. He said, failure is simply an opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. <laughs> but I got to think about it. The only person that can say that this was a failure is you. And it's only a failure if you quit and stop and don't pick yourself up and figure out what went wrong and go forward. Right? Now, this could be you messing up in life. It could be you losing a job. It could be you just had a dream and it didn't happen or turn out the way you wanted it to be. But failure is never final unless you say it is. You're the only one that can hang it up. You're the only one that can sign on the dotted line and say, I failed, this is over, I'm never going to try again. You're it. Nobody else can. Boy, they can put a label on you. They can be like Mr. Murphy here and say, listen, I've, I've done this twice. I've invested my life savings. This failed. You, you, you know, I'm never, no one is ever going to invest in you again. You're never going to make it, Henry. You're never going to make it. But you are the one that decides, you know what? This isn't over because I'm continuing forward. And I want to read some of these scriptures. James 4.8 says this. Come near to God, he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. I love this. 
<laughs> because he's like, listen, let, just get it out of the way. You messed up, fess up to it. You can grieve, you can mourn, wail, get it out of the way. And he says, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I love that scripture because it's like, it sounds like a real downer, right? It's like, oh my Lord, turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into sorrow. What? And then he's like, and I'll lift you up. I'm there to lift you up. 2 Corinthians 12 says this, verse 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Your power is perfected in weakness. For, I'm sorry, for power, my power, talking about the Lord's, is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, and I'm going to put with failures in here, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, if that's not a scripture that you can grab a hold of and say, I don't care if I'm distressed, if I've failed, if I'm weak, if I've come to the end of the rope and it doesn't look like I can take another step forward. The Lord says, listen, when you're the weakest, I'm the strongest. Where you have the most difficulty, I am the strongest and I'm waiting to run to your side and to help you. You're the only one that can say, I've, that's it, I failed. And you know, oftentimes your perspective is so skewed that the people around you are looking at your situation and are like, come on, you can do this. Number three was this. Well, Ford, Henry Ford, life lessons. Set a goal and keep it in focus. This is what Henry Ford now, I, when I read these out loud, it almost, I almost cringe a little bit because I think I sound like that Tony Robbins guy. Set a goal and keep it in focus. But then I realize that these principles are in the word of God and, and, and that the world at times has taken them and sometimes distorted them and used them. But you know what? They've used them and been successful. How much more successful can we be as the body of Christ using the principles that God's given us to be successful in our life, in our walk with him, in the marketplace, in business? I mean, this is, this is stuff that's for you and I. So listen to this. Henry Ford said this. Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off of your goals. <laughs> I, I have witnessed so many times that Christians... And, and folks, and even in my own life, where, boy, 99 out of 100 things went the way I was praying and hoped for. And it's the one out of 100 things that didn't go the way I expected it to that I lose sleep over. Boy, I take 99 steps in the one direction. I take one step back, and I go and call everybody and say, I took a step back. And they're like, didn't you just take 99 forward? I think you're going in the right direction. Listen to this scripture. Philippians 3 says this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying, listen, I forget about all of the mistakes and the failures and the stupid things that are behind me. I forget it all. I put it behind me. And I set my eyes on the goal in front of me, and I move forward. I run towards the mark. I run towards the goal. Matthew 6 says this, but seek first. That means diligently pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, the Bible's painting a picture. There's a couple scriptures like this. There's one more that I'm going to read, but I found a bunch of them that really talks and, and, and gives us the picture of a horse with blinders on that's centered on one thing. And for our Christian life, it's Jesus. Not taking our eyes off of anything but the prize. And for us as Christians, it's Jesus. In, your, in, your, in the marketplace, you, you, your goal might be to, 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 uh, to uh, become a manager or to own uh, stock in the company or to get promoted or to have your own franchise or whatever it may be. The be, be the best dad or to be the best mom. But I, I tell you what. If we put blinders on and follow the example that Jesus gave us, the Bible says as we seek first his righteousness, we seek the kingdom of God, that all of the stuff that we're worried about will be added on to us. Keeping your eyes on the prize, your eyes on the goal. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you might win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we receive an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Now somebody say glory. Uh, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. How many of you know we're running a race Come on, we're running a race tonight. Some of us look like we're ready to run a race more than others. I'm not going to look at anybody. So obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off of your goals. And I have four minutes for this last point. Don't worry. God is in control. I found this quote from him. I was like, boom, I'm going to close with this because this sums it up. This is what he said. When you consider this guy revolutionized one of the, really started, but he was the father of one of the largest industries around the world. This is a guy whose impact makes Steve Jobs look like the guy flipping burgers at McDonald's. I mean, in the grand scale of things, the trillions of dollars that have been generated in the automobile industry, the impact with transportation, around the world. I mean, we don't even have anything to compare him to in modern day. And this is what he said. He said, I believe God is managing affairs and that he doesn't need any advice from me. With God in charge, I believe everything will work out for the best in the end. So what is there to worry about? That's good advice from a very smart man. He said, listen, I believe God has all the affairs worked out. 
I believe he has all of the things that I worry about. It's all worked out. And I believe he's in control. So what do I have to worry about? Isaiah 46 says this, 9 and 11. Remember the former things, those of long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said is what I will bring about. What I have planned I will do. This is describing a God that is in complete control, like a composer, a director of a symphony. Just every note of the world, every instrument, every nuance, he's directing and controlling. 1 Peter 5 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your worry, or this translation says, all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Because I've got two minutes, I want to read one more. Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to give you these four things one more time. And I want you to remember them. Write them down. Put them in your phone. Next time you're, you're feeling like you're not going to ever make it or whatever it is, that goal that's in front of you, and you've fallen flat on your face, I want you to remember these four things. Never stop learning. Say it with me. That was weak. Very weak. Come on. Never stop learning. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, never stop learning. Failure is never final. Unless you say so. Number three is set a goal and keep it in focus. And number four is don't worry. God is in control. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, say that again. Say, don't worry. God is in control. Father, we thank you tonight that, God, we can learn from Lord, a man that used these principles to really shake the world, to change commerce, to change the way we live and have such an impact. And Lord, we, we want to learn from this. We want to never stop learning. We want to learn and understand, Lord, the biblical principles that we can use today to be successful in our Christian experience and walk God so we can further the kingdom of God. Lord, those of us that are in the marketplace, that we can be successful in, on our jobs. Lord, with our businesses, our companies. We can be great dads and moms and husbands and wives. Lord, that we can go forward with the destiny, the plan, the purpose of God in our life. That every area of our life, God, will be in alignment with your purpose. Lord, that we will be firing on all cylinders. That we will be marching forward in a full speed ahead, God, with you. That we can take off, Lord, the things that have, have uh, at times distracted us and put blinders on and pursue the goal that's in front of us. That is you, Jesus. It's all about you. 
And so, Lord, I ask that as we as we review his, his life tonight and we've talked about this, that we'll leave here with, Lord, a battle plan for our own life, that when we walk out of here, we can really take these multiple scriptures and really digest them and look at what they mean for our life today and make the adjustments and the changes in our life so, God, that we can, we can really reach all that you have for us, that we can attain the highest mountain. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says... Amen.